Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us here on this episode for seeking justice and being prompt in righteousness. Thank you and welcome to this podcast. You know, over the Passover and Resurrection Sunday weekend, I was seeking the Lord and I was reminded of how imperative it is for each and every one of us individually, but then also collectively as a family, a community, and a nation to guard our liberty. You know, I was watching a, you know, I'll say a classic of the Ten Commandments. And yes, of course, it's a movie. So there is some creative liberties taken and um, it's condensed for time. But it just amazed me how fast that, of course, is depicting the children of Israel, the Hebrews under Moses, who were delivered, just how fast they attempted to replicate the actions, attitudes, and behaviors of the Egyptians or their captors. Just how fast that occurred. And yes, it's a little dramatization because it's a movie, so things are condensed for time. But it, it really got me thinking, the Lord was talking to me about this, saying, for us to guard ourselves. And it seems like almost immediately, as soon as they were delivered or set free from their captors and from Egypt and the bondage, that they immediately began living in like manner. So, of course, I had to study this out. And actually, we find out in Exodus chapter 19 that it was in the third month, this is verse 1, in the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came into the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. And in verse 3 it says, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the sons of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. And so this is three months after they were delivered. And if you continue reading, this is Exodus chapter 19, you find that Moses is brought up to Sinai. The Lord calls for him. And that is when the Lord gives Moses the Ten Commandments and the instructions for feasts and how to build the tabernacle and the tent of meeting, how to consecrate the priest and all the things that are required. And he was up there, as we know, 40 days and 40 nights. And then 
it get we get into, if you will, is order of events. In Exodus chapter 32, the golden calf. And it begins by saying, when, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron, of course, then gives instructions. And fashions this golden calf. And then he builds an altar. And then they prepare this feast. And in verse 7, the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf, and have worshipped it. And have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now, then let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. And Moses intercedes for the people to the Lord. And the Lord honors Moses' intercession on their behalf. And he turned, Moses turns and goes down from the mountain carrying the, the tablets with the Ten Commandments. But it's very interesting how verses 19 through 26 say this. It says, it came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountains. And he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it with fire, and ground it to powder, and scattered over the surface of the water, and made the sons of Israel drink it. Then Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such great sin upon them? Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people themselves, yourself, excuse me, that they are prone to evil. For they said to me, Make us a God who will go before us. For this Moses, the man whom you brought, who, yes, excuse me, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of them. I said to him, Whoever has any gold, let them tear it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Now Moses saw the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. Now this is I mean, incredible, but it's it's also disappointing at the same time. The Lord had literally just reminded them right before he calls Moses to go up, uh, up Mount Sinai and speak with the Lord face to face to learn from the Lord, to receive commands from the people because they did not want to come into relationship themselves. Face to face, that is. They wanted Moses to go up 
as a mediary and mediator or intermediary, excuse me. They wanted Moses to do that and receive the instruction, the command of the Lord for them instead of them just hearing from the Lord themselves. But it shows just how fast those who were just delivered from bondage chose to take up the same ways as the people who had just held them in bondage for 430 years. 430 years of being mistreated in captivity. And three months after they were delivered, (coughs) excuse me, three months after they were delivered, they were making another God and serving it instead. Taking up the same attitudes, actions, and behaviors as those who kept them, held them in bondage. And it's not the only time that this happened. We can take a look at the Judges as well. In Judges chapter 2, we'll we'll begin in 16. It says, we'll begin in verse 11. It says, Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and bowed themselves down to him. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, The hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had spoken, as the Lord had sworn to them, so that they were severely distressed. And in verse 16, it says, Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, and they played the harlot after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. They turned aside quickly, From the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do as their fathers. When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. But it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers and following other gods to serve them, and bow down to them. They did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not listened to my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died. In order to test Israel by them, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in it as their fathers did or not. So the Lord allowed those nations to remain, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. And it says a lot for them, but also for us today. 
when we look at the state of, well, I'll say this nation, but many nations around the world, we're not but and, we're not negating this and or any other nation. Let's look at them collectively. Sin nature forces people to experience many of the same consequences. The severity and all those things are slightly different. And I say slightly because it's based on other factors. Like how much of something can be offset by another aspect or facet that that nation has or possesses. The level of discomfort. But let's, let's not forget that even Egypt experienced the fullness of or I'll say it in this way, the plagues that were sent took away whatever comfort was going to offset any consequence that they were experiencing. And then experiencing them all collectively, if you will, definitely impacted them. One after the other after the other. There was no rest on any side. Well, let's also understand this about the Lord. While it's easy to have an incorrect view of the Lord, because it says, if we read Scripture plainly, oh, that the Lord tested them, that the Lord did these things. There's other Scripture that says, and the Lord turned them over to their lusts, to the consequences of the sin nature is what it's getting at. It's not the Lord that was sending or doing these things. He was allowing it because that's what the people had asked for, whether it was in their words or just through their actions, attitudes, and behaviors or their deeds. That's what they repeatedly asked the Lord for. So for us as a nation, what have we asked the Lord for? And I don't just mean in our prayers and saying, Lord, make us prosperous. Make us a healthy, strong, capable, self-sustainable nation. But I mean through our actions and our deeds. Does it demonstrate our, our love and faith in the Lord? And because of those two components, love and faith, are we then obedient to what the Lord says? Or does it only prove our disobedience, our stubbornness towards the Lord? And are we rebellious, stubborn, and obstinate towards Him, towards His ways, towards His commands? You know, if we look even all the way back in, in Genesis chapter 6, it says this about the people at that time. Starting in verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was, on, was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. What have we as a nation 
as as a people, but each one individually. Have we ple- been pleasing towards the Lord? Have we delighted in Him and in His ways, His thoughts? Can we say that He is our God and that we are His people? And said in the structure that the Lord created that He is our Heavenly Father and that we are His children? Or have we been in opposition to Him? Is our heart and our mind only dwelling on evil continually? I understand the, the severity and the impact of that. That means every moment of every day is a planning of what evil you will enact and when you will enact it. Which says a lot. It speaks volumes about the individual. But the Lord tells us this to counter that. He, the Lord admonishes us, he encourages us, he implores us. In Proverbs 4, beginning of verse 20, he says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. And he says this, in verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. It's exactly what he was saying in Genesis. That was what was in their heart. All the, the evil that they only continually dwelt on, or wickedness, depending on your translation. That's exactly what Jesus talked about. And Luke 6.45 says, The good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's what comes out of the man, the person, is what defiles them. You know, there was a a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth, and he would exhort people, those that were around him, to be so filled or soaked with the Spirit that when they are squeezed from every side, that all that comes out of them is the Jesus nature, who we are called to be conformed to, His image. Yes, we are made in His image and likeness, but His character, His nature and his attributes flowing freely through us. That's what it means to guard our liberty. That's why we need to do so. We read it in Judges. There's the one thing, but that summarizes literally the entire book of the Judges. One time after another, after another, after another, 
evil was happening. The Lord allowed those people to be brought into captivity, to be oppressed. And the Lord will raise up a judge, a deliverer, a person to help bring them to deliverance. In modern day, we would say to, to reform the nation. Just to, to free them from captivity, but also to bring about laws and legislation and things of that nature that was pleasing to the Lord, that was as He designed and set it up. That the laws of man were on par, in direct alignment, is what I mean by that, with the laws of God. That the laws of God were enough. That his thoughts and his ways were valued. Until that judge fell away. And by fell away, I mean died and went home to be with the Lord. And then immediately the people would, would begin to turn away from the Lord and took it as an opportunity to enact what they had wanted to do all along. So may we as a people, if God truly is our God and we truly are his people, or said another way, if he truly is our father, our dad, and we are his children, then let us adhere to his ways and his thoughts because they are not like ours, but they are much higher. Let us apply them to our life. Let us live and walk in them, demonstrating our love to our Father and our trust or faith in Him through our obedience. Let us dwell on Him. Let's let Him be in the midst of our heart. as we lay down, as we get up, and as we go about our day. And not only let's live that, but let's teach others how to live that out. Drawing near to the Lord. Having that personal, deep, and intimate relationship with Him. Because He came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. In him, there is a freedom unimaginable. But outside of him is only bondage and captivity. Because that's what sin is. Until it results in the fullness, which brings forth death. So let us do what's required of us by the Lord. To guard our liberty that he has given us, that he has brought us out from or given us when he brought us out from captivity. So I'd like to thank you all for joining us tonight. I just want to encourage you with this word and encourage you to keep standing for justice and righteousness. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.